Well, good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk, the Pastor is In. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is a program for the Christian layman, you know, the Lutheran who believes but might have some questions. In short, the program's designed for someone just like me. You know, there's a lot I don't understand. It seems that the older I get, the less I do understand, in all honesty. You know, it doesn't have to be anything soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been bugging me for a while. Rather than getting into a deep chapter and verse theological discussion, I find that a casual front porch-style talk at the pastor's often the best way to understanding. Well, you know that's what this program's all about. Today's guest is Lance O'Donnell of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Ocom- in I always blow this name, Okanomowoc. <laughs> okay, Okanomowoc, Wisconsin. Now, I have my questions, and I'm sure you have yours as well. You can send your questions by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org or call during the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, including Metro East, call us at area code 314-821-0850. Anywhere in North America, toll free, even at Okanomowoc. You can call us at 800-730-2727. Welcome to the program, Pastor O'Donnell, and I'll have you know that I practiced saying that word I don't know how many times before the show, and I knew I was going to blow it. You know, God bless you, Kip. Good work. You, you tried. It's Oconomowoc, but, I, you know, I'm just thankful you tried, and it's good to be back with you. Oconomowoc. Hey, nice work. Oconomowoc, Oconomowoc, Oconomowoc. Can you hear me okay? I hear you fine. Economowak, Economowak, Economowak. Okay, there we go. <clears throat> I'll get it. I'll get it. It's like um, one of our star pitchers down here in the Cardinals is a guy by the name of Waka, uh, who is my wife's favorite pitcher. And whenever he's up for the for the game, she goes stumbling around going Waka 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 Waka. Didn't our uh, Didn't our Brewers beat the snout out of your Cardinals the other day? Well, I think that's the case, but. <clears throat> But there'll be more opportunities. We we'll get, get you we guys. We don't get the chance to say that very often. So. <laughs> well, you know, if, if, you know, if you're, you're in St. Louis, you've got to be a, a Cardinals fan. Otherwise, you're in, you're in deep trouble. You know, when I came back here from California, I mean, it was made very plain. I will be a Cardinal fan, or will deport me back to or back to California. No doubt. Uh, no, thank you. I'll stay here. <clears throat> okay. Well, you know, we got a lot of things to talk about, and one thing. And I've been doing a lot of reading and uh, and just just trying to figure out what's going on in my life and around the world and all. And one thing I've I've found in in a number of different surveys and articles is that church membership is declining. Not just declining; it's it's people are are falling away. Uh, some of them just decide that they're no longer religious. They proclaim agnosticism, even atheism. A bunch of them say, well, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual, whatever the heck that means. Sure. And I've got to confess, that happened to me. Yeah. And uh, as I will also confess... How old were you? I was probably in my 20s when I fell away from it. Probably, let me think, how would I have to... Yeah, I'd say late late 20s, early 30s. Without being too specific, if there was a precipitating event that you could talk about? Well, I had been involved in a relationship with a lady in New York. Sure. And uh, that kind of fell apart. And uh, I did not like New York at all. And uh, so I decided after the relationship was rocky and what have you after about three years 
uh, I went to, uh, I, I enrolled in graduate school up in uh, Northwestern. Sure. And I was just so darn busy from that point, I just didn't think about church. And uh, did you, Now, did you grow up in the faith? Oh, you betcha I did. Okay. Oh, yeah. And in fact, Lutheran I, boy, I assume? Beg your pardon? Lutheran boy? Oh, yeah. You bet I was a Lutheran boy. My mother was a staunch Lutheran. Okay. Uh, and in fact, I... Uh, school? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I went through a Lutheran grade school. I didn't go to Lutheran high school. Okay. Uh, I was very active in the Walther League. And uh, I will say uh, my... Uh, I'm going to brag here a little bit. I shouldn't brag because it's not me who did this. But... Uh, uh, but... Uh, uh, Friedrich Winnikin is my great-great-grandfather. You may need to explain to your listeners what the Walter League is. Oh, okay. Friedrich Winnikin. I keep forgetting it's not around anymore. <laughs> this was the Lutheran Youth Group uh, that was around for a number of years, and it was very active when I was growing up in the 60s. And uh, this was my social life. You know, I, I hung with the people from the Walter League, not from my high school. And Friedrich Winnikin, one of the great missionary pastors in the early history of American Lutheranism. And he served as the uh, second uh, president of the, of the Missouri Senate. Right. So, sort of had the tradition running in the family, and I was raised in it. You know, went to, uh, went to church every Sunday when I was a kid growing up with my mother, and uh, tried to keep it going when I started to go away to college. Fell away from it somewhat. Was Dad practicing? No, my dad was a Presbyterian, although he was not a practicing Presbyterian. So how did that, how did that work in your house? Uh, actually, pretty well. My uh, my uh, dad did not try to influence uh, religion in any way. I was strictly my mother's uh, province. Okay. I, I gather this was something that they probably had decided on before having children. Uh, dad, I, I guess the best way to describe my dad would be a deist. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would be I would be interested in talking about this a little bit if you're game because mine is not the same, but. An analogous. Sure, let's do it. Because I, 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 I mean, what I'm finding, right, I didn't grow up, I mean, my, my father was a lapsed Roman Catholic, right, and he left the church as soon as he left home when he was 17 years old and didn't want anything to do with it except to get married when he was in his early 20s. And then, in fact, we didn't, I didn't get baptized. So my, my dad was the fourth of 12, mm. a big Roman Catholic family uh, from Michigan. I didn't get baptized till I was 12 years old, which was a scandal with my little Sicilian grandmother. Huh. Um, so, I mean, my, you know, my dad was really not interested. And, you know, we went to church uh, kind of, we always went at Easter for some reason, then occasionally at Christmas. Um, but it sounds like you were a regular churchgoer. Your mom was a regular churchgoer. But oh, yeah. dad really wasn't? No, he wasn't, although he would occasionally attend uh, services with my mother and uh, and me. Uh, one thing he did do, he loved to sing, and he loved Lutheran the Lutheran hymnal. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so we would, he would occasionally attend church, but he was not a, uh, a devout churchgoer, but he was insatiably curious about everything. I mean, he read everything from uh, from Augustine to, to Luther. You name it, he read it. That's interesting. Really? And in fact, he... Uh, Not a church-going guy. No, he wasn't, but he was intrigued by the world around him. Uh, you know, my dad was a journalist. Okay. And he uh, actually went That's to... That's where you get it from. 
Uh, yeah, it's a genetic recessive trait, okay. we decide. Uh, yeah, it is. And uh, he had actually uh, been covering a Vatican II back in, I guess it was 63, 62 wow. to 63. So he, he was overseas covering that. Uh, and uh, that was another thing. It just it, he fasc- fascinated him. Uh, in fact, he even did a, a, a special program on uh, the call to, ecum- uh, to ecumenism that uh, Pope John Paul XXIII had given out. Huh. So it was a it was an interesting time. We had some very interesting dinners and conversations at my house. If if you don't, do you mind do you mind if I ask you a question? No, about go ahead. That about dad. Go ahead. And you know, don't answer if it doesn't work. Um, I'm I'm curious whether your dad's choosing not to attend or participate whether that had any influence on you when you chose not to. It probably did. It probably did. Uh, I had enormous respect for my father. Um, I still do. Even yeah. though he's he's been gone for many years. And if such a good, and in my own mind, I was saying, if such a good and decent man could elect not to go to church, perhaps not to follow a church, I, I suppose, perhaps maybe it would be okay for me to do it as well. And yeah, I think that was a factor. Yeah. I just, I, it's because it, 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 I mean, it was for me too on both sides. I think our parents influence us, but I mean, I followed my father into atheism ah. in college. So my parents um, had both read Ayn Rand, the philo- American oh, yeah, I've read her. novelist, when they were in college. And uh, dad was really a, Ran- a Randian aficionado, and, and they gave me an Ayn Rand novel, I think, for my high school graduation. You know, my mother was a little bit more ambivalent about it, but my dad was, I think, in, a, in, a, in his heart, I think, or at least in his mind, rather convinced that she was right. And that that's what I ended up following, and away from the church, mm. just rejecting uh, Christ really at all. I rather enjoyed uh, Rand's libertarian philosophy regarding politics, but I totally rejected her her religious views. Yeah, well, good for you. <laughs> well, I never I never went the route of atheism. Uh, I, I became lapsed, uh, maybe even flirted a little bit with agnosticism at one point. Well, I just I found I I, I tried to fo- so for your listeners who may you know, Ayn Rand was a an absolutely brilliant philosopher novelist who absolutely rejected the notion of God. Yeah. And uh, in really, but she was an advocate, unlike a lot of modern philosophy that, that pits humans as just another creature. Um, Rand's philosophy basically worshipped uh, human potential. Yeah, she did. And that, so it's very different than than the common worldly philosophy today. Well, like the Fountainhead, uh, that was one of her premier works. Right. Uh, in fact, there was even a couple of movies I think uh, made on her books. But uh, yeah, you know, it, sometimes reading is a dangerous thing, but you got to do it. No doubt. You have to. You have to. I mean, I've read. Uh, I've read Mein Kampf. I've I've read uh, I've read uh, Marx. I've read the Communist Manifesto. I've read the Bible, and you know there's 
there is one thing in, in Lutheran theology that I think uh, really has kept me on on the path, even though sometimes I would stray from it, is the concept that the conscience is not a social is not a social mechanism. Right. And there was always that voice in the back of my mind that was telling me, ah, let's think about this. You know, it's it's interesting, Kip, because I remember, you know, so I was reading Rand, mm-hmm. and my experience with Christianity was really pretty shallow. So there there wasn't there wasn't depth. That, you know, I didn't have what you had growing up with it, mom and dad going to church regularly, school, all that stuff. So I, you know, my my foundation was really sandy, and so I, you know, I encountered. I encountered Rand, and I remember, I think I was early in my sophomore year of college, and I decided that Christianity was a farce and that it was just a crutch for the weak-minded, you know, following her. And I I remember I I used to wear a necklace and that had a cross on it. Okay. And I, 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 it's funny, all these years later that I remember this, I, re, I remember being in my apartment and taking the, taking the cross off my necklace, and I was about to throw it in the trash. And then I, you know, you talked about conscience, and there was this little voice that said, well, don't throw it away, because, well, who knows? Um, you know, and I, I look I look back now and see that as one of those you know one of those situations where I walked away from God, but God never walked away from me. Oh, that is so true. I remember uh, when I was in college, uh, you know, we had these wonderful late night bowl sessions, and uh, a couple of the guys were professed atheists. And we're attacking Christianity, as as you had just mentioned had happened with you. And I always came up with one argument, even in my my weakening days, uh, that could not be refuted, was that something had to have happened 2,000 years ago. Otherwise, there would be no Christianity. It's based on something that happened historically. And that could never be refuted. And I think I got a couple of people thinking about it. At least we'll see. Yeah. But that was that was something I could. That was one of the reasons I think why I never completely abandoned the concept and went and went into atheism was I could not deny that Christianity had been around for so long and there was a reason for it. Huh. So why? So why do you, I mean? I mean, you've reflected on this for decades now. Why? Oh, yeah. Why do you? Why do you think? Why did you fall away? Well, I think largely it was. Uh, a combination of, of, of self-pity. You know, as I mentioned, the, uh, I'd left New York. There was a failed relationship, and now I was so busy trying to engineer a new career. And uh, I got out of that. I got out of grad school, and frankly, I was having a good time. I, I was running around playing Johnny Deadline Reporter and having a great time doing a lot of things. And I just I was having too much fun, and I was too involved in myself. To think about God, I guess that's the best way I can you know, explain it. And I know it's a weak excuse, no, but I suspect a lot of people use it. It's interesting for me to hear you phrase it that way because it it made me think, Kip, of you know because we have our 
you and I have talked over the course of time. I rem- I remember after my kind of weak suicide attempt that I made mm-hmm. in 1993. You know, afterwards, I remember my my little brother uh, saying to me, uh, Shane said to me, Lance, how could you do that to us? Mm. And I remember, you know, my response is, you know, Shane, I wasn't thinking about you. I was only thinking about myself, and I didn't want to feel the way I felt anymore. Um, and that, you know, that really, you know, that, that period away, it was, it was a rather designed, you know, absolute intense focus on myself. And it was an absolute disaster. I think that selfishness may largely be at the base of disbelief. Uh, you know, like, like Ayn Rand was, was doing, was replacing God with herself. Well, yeah, and that's, I mean, but in, in that, right, it's based, that's the original sin. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I mean, but, it, you know, it all comes back, but that's, I mean, that for me is, it, it's just interesting to hear you talk about that. It was just, I was doing my own thing. I was having fun. I was feeling sorry for myself. I didn't want to, right? And, you know, although it's different, that that really was my experience, too. I was just doing my own thing. I wasn't concerned with anybody else. Um, yeah, it was, it was the selfishness of the moment. Uh, you know, I, I, was in, I was so deeply engrossed in my own life and my own wants and desires, my own problems, if you will, and it... Uh, I just didn't think about God or church, yep. and, and that went on for years. Yep. It's so well, and it's it's so easy to do. I mean, it comes so it comes so naturally, doesn't it? It does, and uh, uh, you know that <laughs> that could well be the old adversary at work there. Uh, you know, there, there's there's a you know evil, not, or or, or uh, maybe that's too strong a word, or maybe it's not has to be attractive. Otherwise, it has no hold over people. Uh, you know, the, the, the devil doesn't make people do what they don't want to do. He makes them do what they do want to do. You bet. And I think that's largely what happened to me. I was you know, saying, hey, you're the center of the universe, not anybody else, you know. These are your problems. Nobody else says, this is your life. Do it the way you want. So, so... You know, again, and as much as you can, speaking yeah. in as public a forum as we are. So, what was it? What was it that brought you back? Oh, okay. <laughs> I, and you, I mean, right? I'd realize we're on right. We're yeah, on radio, that's, that's, and there's some of this stuff. I don't mind really... talking about it. In fact, I, I I think I should probably shout it from the rooftop sometimes. I was living out in California. This actually, I, I, I finally came back. I'm going to be honest here. I, I finally came back to the church maybe about 2012. Yeah. So we're talking an extended period here. What had happened is uh, I, was, I was married at the time, and uh, my wife had become terminally ill. Yeah. And it was a long, drawn-out process, about 18 months. And it was a very unhappy and very difficult time. I had been a member of a congregation out in California uh, at uh, Our Savior's Community Lutheran in Palm Springs, but I'd not been an active member. In fact, I'd probably not been in in a couple of years. Uh, 
And I finally hit a point of just spiritual, emotional, intellectual bankruptcy is the only way I can phrase it. I had to keep coming up with the reasons why I should get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. And I was... This is why your wife was still living? This is why she's still living. And she was she was bed-bound at the time, and she was... As I said, it was not a pleasant death, and she was very demanding uh, in the final the final stages, to the point where I wasn't sleeping more than two or three hours a night Yeah, because I'd have to get up and take care of her. Yeah. And, and this had led me to such, such mixed feelings of anger, hatred, and guilt. Yeah. You know, how dare she get sick and do this to me? And then I would say... My God, what have you just done? She's dying, not you. What kind of a horrible person are you to think yeah. this? And in sheer desperation, uh, I called the pastor at uh, the church. He was not in. I had left a message on his answering machine. I simply said, how do I deal with this anger and this guilt? My wife is dying. I don't know how to handle this. Yeah. And uh, he called me back maybe 15, 20 minutes later. <laughs> it's, it, you know, normally I have to schedule like two weeks in advance, but God tells me, you need help now. Come in and we'll talk. Yeah. And uh, that was Pastor Mike Coppersmith. Uh, and I still remember we sat down and we talked and he. I got you. Yeah. He reminded me of things I'd forgotten. I guess that's the best way to, to describe it. Can I, can I ask? So what did he remind you? He reminded me of God's love. Yeah. He reminded me that God understood that my anger, my depression, my angst, my wishing that she would die. God help me. I actually did wish that she would die. Yeah. He understood. Yeah. Do you remember how he did that? Do you remember what he said? Uh, one of the things that he said that I recall was that... Uh, we have a specific amount of time on Earth, and uh, science allows us to extend it sometimes beyond what is intended. Sure. And this is perhaps not the best thing. Yeah. And uh, and it has consequences. It has fallout. Uh, and uh, again, we we went over a couple of the uh, a couple of the Bible thing, uh, Bible passages about. Uh, truly guilty and bad people sure who god forgave yeah and uh just letting me know that he understood what i was going through and it uh it, it was it was an epiphany moment i guess that's the best way to describe it yeah i i i remember kip when i you know the morning i woke up after i made my my weak suicide attempt i um I opened my Bible uh -huh. and ended up somehow in Exodus 20, or maybe this is what happened the night before. So, you know, in the, in the commandment, it, it, it says, you know, that I will punish the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. I think that's verse four of chapter 20. Um, and I stared at that. You know, as I think we talked about before, you know, because I, I had sworn there were some things that my father told me he'd done that I would never do, and I found out, you know, and I had done them. Uh. And I looked at that, and, it, and when I read that verse, it was it was it was as if 
he was speaking right to me, which of course he was. Yeah. God was. Yeah, he's got a way of doing that, I've noticed. And, you know, and so, and I was, you know, similarly, uh, it, it took, it, I was, it, I was totally broken that I, I had, I had become everything that I said I would never be. You know, I had followed Ayn Rand into worshiping myself and, and then I found out that deep down inside, what an absolute, well, I can't use the word on the radio. <laughs> we know what you mean. That I am. And, and that, right, that's when, and you're in that, when you're in, that's when God's forgiveness really becomes real. Um, that's when I, that's when I think I really started to get it, that once I realized just the depth of my own betrayal, um, <laughs> the old Adam's there, right? So, you know, and that's, I mean, that, at least as I hear you talk about your experience, you know, even in the midst of caring for your wife, you're finding yourself fighting off feelings of really betrayal of her, right? Yes. Um, and, well, I'm glad you had a good pastor, because it makes a difference. Oh, boy, does it. <laughs> yeah, thanks. it makes a difference. Yeah. Well, we got to take a break here at the bottom of the hour, Lance, but uh, we got a lot more to talk about. I think maybe redemption Amen. is where we go from this point. <laughs> okay. We'll Amen. be back in just a couple of minutes. Proverbs 27:17 tells us, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. That's why weekday mornings at 8 a.m., two Missouri Synod pastors test their metal against the Holy Scriptures, certain that not only will they come out better for it, but so will you. The sword of the Spirit is sharp to the touch, but you need practice wielding it. Check out Sharper Iron, 8 a.m., every weekday on Worldwide KFUO. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. You out salesmen to the salesman. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart savings strategies, you'll have the info you need to get more for your future. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to speeding past financial challenges, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. KFUO is faithful to the Word of God. Listen daily to KFUO as we focus on salvation through Christ Jesus. Generations have heard KFUO proclaim the good news through our talk programs, music programs, and worship services. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. KFUO, faithful, scriptural, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. We are the messenger of good news, KFUO. 
Hi, this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark. And this is Pastor Jolly John Lukomsky. Matt, I'm trying to think what would be a good theme verse for uh, wrestling with the basics, like John 3.16? Or... Well, I think I've got one, John. Yeah? Uh, how about Acts 2, verse 15? What is it? For these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. That's perfect. All right, now, there's no time for foolishness. Wrestling, wrestling with, with the, the basics. basics. 905 Saturday mornings on KFUO. Where we take God's word seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. Biblical commentaries serve as a written and systematic interpretation of Bible verses and passages. Among those with significant influence over the years are those of Matthew Henry. Born in England in 1662, his father was a Presbyterian minister. That same year, an act of conformity by the Church of England began administering the ordaining of bishops and priests. It was predicated on barring Presbyterians from any official ministry in the church, an act also preventing Matthew Henry from pursuing his own lifelong aspirations as a preacher. Instead, he studied law and became a popular writer of biblical commentaries. Before Matthew Henry died on June 22, 1714, he published a six-volume commentary on the whole Bible, an extensive look at every verse in the Bible, still used today. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Well, welcome back to Let's Talk the Pastors In. I'm program host Kip Allen, and my guest today is Pastor Lance O'Donnell. And we are talking about falling away from the church and coming back to the church, we're talking about redemption. We're talking about how God works and how the devil works. If you want to join in the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can email us at uh, letstalk at kfuo.org. Or if you're in the St. Louis area, give us a call. Our number in St. Louis, including Metro East, is area code 314-821-0850. Or you can call us anywhere in North America, toll free at one 800 730 Two seven, two seven. Well, here we are. Shall we resume? Yeah. <laughs> we talked a bit about redemption and what happens. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm going to go on my own personal journey here for a little bit, and then you've got your personal journey and how we we wind up doing things. Um, as I mentioned, uh, uh, I really had fallen away until about uh, till. 2012, really, which is, what was it, uh, about six years ago, I guess it was. And uh, Pastor Coppersmith had uh, given me some wonderful, inspirational advice. But here I was. I mean, I was shell-shocked. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Uh, my wife had just died. I didn't know where I was going to go or what I was going to do. And guess what? I find myself back in St. Louis, the city where I grew up. <laughs> I met a I met a wonderful lady and I got married. Uh, I found, of all things, the LCMS was looking for a broadcaster who happened to have a journalism background. <laughs> uh, how about that? Okay. <laughs> Gee, isn't it funny how those things work out? Yeah. It yeah. is. Yeah, I, I am. I am this right. I'm getting ready for my, you know, think about what I said to my brother and where I was, you mm -hmm. know, 25 years ago and how desperate I was, you know, and I'm, I'm scrambling around today, getting my house ready 
for a graduation party for my son, Aiden. You know, I had one of my teachers here and another, you know, Adam Tanney and one of our eighth graders who just graduated, Ethan Jacobowski. We were loading tables today. And I, wow, that I would have missed all that. Mm. You know, um, I mean, what, you know, I just, it was, it was impossible to imagine at the depth of my depression. Um, but, you know, my goodness, is it nice being on the other side? <laughs> you know, I mean, ha- you know, happily married to a wonderful woman. I great my do- my oldest daughter's at Concordia, Wisconsin, registering for college today. Um, you know, I have we have a beautiful adopted son and another lovely fourteen-year-old daughter. Uh, you know, I just and you know that's what the the, the devil has you throw all that away. When, when you focus totally on yourself, I would have, I would have never experienced any of this. Um, it's, uh, and it's, so many, it's just such a tragedy. And another thing, you know, you, we, we briefly talked about it with suicide, is that our lives touch so many other people's lives. Yeah. Think of all the people who you have affected and helped over the years yeah. that you wouldn't have happened. And you might not even be aware of it. I, I remember a number of years ago, uh, <laughs> I ran out into a woman, um, and she called out my name, ran up, and threw her arms around me, and I said, who the heck is this girl? I don't know her. Well, <laughs> turns out that she had been an intern at a station I worked at some year, many years earlier. And she said, oh, you were the one who had faith in me. You were the one who gave me the impetus to go on and make a career in this wonderful business. Okay. How about that? <laughs> so you never know. You never know what you're going to do. You never know the people you're going to touch. Well, it, you know, it's, and it's nice being on the other side of this now, right, because there's also wisdom, right? And that's, I think, what you're talking about. So, you know, we, you, when you've been through the ringer a little bit, you have a better sense of when you re-enter difficulty that there is another side to it, you know, that you'll come out on the other side. Yeah, yeah, um, you will. And, you know, and, truth, and truthfully, I think the older you get, and, you know, God willing, the wiser, you, the wiser you get in Christ is you recognize that uh, the death is not final. Um, that... <laughs> You know, even if there's some things you're not going to be able to accomplish or see to its end, that that God ha- that God has prepared a place for us, and all will be well, and we can trust Him. Yeah, we we do. I, I, in fact, uh, just yesterday I was working with uh, uh, Pastor Boyce Claire on uh, Thy Strong Word, and we went over uh, Romans uh, chapter one. Yeah, and that so reinforced that message. It really did about faith. The, yep. the message is so simple. Maybe that's why it's so hard to believe sometimes. <laughs> There's some truth to that. I was, I was our our pastor emeritus here at St. Paul's, uh, Paul Borgman, who served here for uh, 35 years. Um, you know, is on dialysis, kidney dialysis, and is having all kinds of trouble. You know, God bless him and. 
But, you know, I, I went to see him yesterday, made a communion visit. And, you know, what a, what a pleasure that was because, um, yeah, Paul, know, Paul and his wife know, you know, that he's declining. Mm-hmm. Yet he, he knows he's in God's hands. And, you know, he, kn- he knows now, you know, his mom died at one, 101 or something like that. He knows that's almost certainly not going to happen. And so there's a lot of things that he's not going to see, you know, in his children and grandchildren's lives. And yet he knows that God's going to take care of them. And there, it's, there's a, it's not resignation, it's contentment. Yeah. Uh, that, that I see in him, even, you know, tinged with sadness, to be sure, but, you know, but a contentment in Christ. And uh, that's a life changer, I think. And I th- you see it a lot in, in people who are finally facing their, their last years or their last days. That was another thing that really, really bothered me about my wife when she was dying. Uh, she had been a, a lifelong Episcopalian. And went to church all every Sunday, usually late. <laughs> there was a running joke about that. But she was so in denial of what was happening to her and so afraid of death. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've 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 had two heart attacks, you know. So sure. so I looked in the abyss. It's there. I know, and I'm not really afraid of it. I've I've uh, looked down the wrong side of guns. Well, now anyway, I think at least twice that I know of uh, came close to getting killed in a brush fire. I mean, you go on and on and on. I can give you all these things. I shouldn't be alive. I've a lot of it for my own stupidity, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I believe there's a purpose, and there is the. I, I'm not afraid to say goodbye to this world. I don't want to do it, but it doesn't. It doesn't hold any terror for me. Well, that you know, it, that's it's why for me yesterday it was you know visiting Pastor Borgman was um, you know I went to serve him and it's a great honor to serve him the Lord's Supper, but I I came away from it encouraged because you know I mean he knows he's declining and. His son stopped over Steve to help him while we were there, but um, there's just there's a there's a contentment and a confidence there uh, that you know I went I went to serve the Lord to him, but he ended up I'm sure I got more out of it than he did. Uh, just just the the encouragement that I felt coming away just because of his confidence. Funny how that works, huh? It's an amazing thing. And this is all part of this this interrelationship with people and how we affect each other, and we're not even aware of it sometimes. Uh, yeah, I remember when I when I first met the the, the woman to whom I'm now married. Uh, I was still coming down from that horrible experience, and I did not have much of a self image. <laughs> sure. But to know that she saw something in me. That she valued. So what was it that she saw in you? <laughs> I don't know. Because, <laughs> boy, I look back at myself and I didn't value much. <laughs> well, what did she tell you? I'm curious. I mean, I'm, right? 
I think it was a combination of two things. One was the fact that I, I had been a survivor. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, and as silly as this sounds, uh, I, I came out, the only thing I came out from California with were my two dogs. Sure. <laughs> Toby and Conrad. And it, the relationship I had with the animals and what they had with me. You know, these, these, these guys were my family. Yeah. And... You know, the dog saw something in me, and then there's there's an old saying, you know, my uh, my ambition is to be the type of person my dogs think I really am. <laughs> right. That's a great line. And I think maybe she saw that, you know, just the the reflection of how there was a reaction, uh, the interaction, I should say. So when, when your wife died, yes. did you think you would ever be remarried? No. So what was it about your bride that you met? To change that? Uh, largely, it was her smile. <laughs> so, all right, you got, now I'm curious. I am serious about it. I mean, it was just, there was an aura of, of not contentment, but what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Expectation. She looked forward to things. Yeah, yeah tomorrow. Tomorrow's another day. We'll get through this. We can do this. I can do this. And that was something that really attracted me. Rather than just cruising along, just coasting, the fact that she... And she, she'd had a hard life, too, in her past, as I found out later. Uh, but, boy, she didn't let to get her down. She kept right on going. She picked herself up. She smiled, and she conquered. Tough lady, I got to tell you. Well, that, that would be pretty attractive, given where you came from. <laughs> Believe me, it was. <laughs> it's just, it's interesting. You know, I, I love I love to ask as a pastor. Uh-huh. I love to ask the question of people, and especially couples that are older. Um, what was it when you met? Right. Uh, we have a marriage retreat that we do every year mm-hmm. now, and I I love I love I love to ask couples to think back upon when they met. You know, what what was it? that attracted you to one another uh, back then, you know? Yeah. Well, it, it, it also turned out we knew a bunch of people in common. That was that was a shocker. <laughs> She's a St. Louis girl, I assume? Yeah, she was a St. Louis girl, and I've been out in California for all those years. But, sure. uh, you know, I grew up in St. Louis, and uh, I still maintain friendships you know, the whole time I was out there. And it turns out we knew some people in common. And so, when did so uh, was she Lutheran? No, Catholic. Okay, and um, so you guys obviously came to some kind of accommodation there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I go to my church. She goes to hers. We're we're talking now about maybe alternating. And she'll go to mine if I one week if I go to hers one week. We haven't done it yet, but that that's in the offing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But you know, I'm, I'm a staunch Lutheran. There's no way I'm ever going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but you know, it, it's, and I don't mind going to their services. I've been to a couple of Catholic services. Uh, there's a lot that shocks me and I don't approve of, but what the heck? They didn't ask for my approval. Right. <laughs> so, and uh, better being a Catholic than being nothing. Well, yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, that, and having that hope in her, which is what I hear you describing, um, Hope. You know, that was it. You were asking, what did I see in her? That's it. Hope. The woman had hope. 
wonderful thing. It is. It is. I hadn't thought of that until you just, until we just now posed that question. That was what I saw. Hope. Yeah. It. Um, as I, you know, I was telling you when we were at the when we were at the break. Yeah. I did my cousin Austin's wedding last weekend uh, in Michigan, and this is a kid uh, who survived two plane crashes that killed his father, his mother, his sister, his mm. brother, and his second mother. You know, that his dad re- had remarried um, after the first crash. And uh, and that's what, you know, maybe at the heart of it, that's what, that's what this young man has. Um, and it's a God-given thing. He has, he has hope. Um, he has, you know, and you just, you talked about your wife, you know, she looked forward. And uh, that's, you know, it, it was, it was such a great thing. After all that, you know, the kid lost everything. You know, everyone who is close and dear to him, um, and yet, you know, clings in hope to the promise that God works all things together for good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And then he he met this, you know, he's a six-foot-seven-inch Michigan basketball player, and he met a six-foot-five-inch Michigan volleyball player. (laughs) Their kids are going to be awesome. And they're going to be, right? And and she's, you know, she said, this is the first guy I've ever dated that I'd ever met that I was able to wear heels with. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but it was, it was so, it was such after, you know, because I was so close with his dad, my cousin Steve, and, and his mom, you know, Julie, and then his second mother, Kim, um, you know, and I think about him every day and often multiple times. So what, you know, what a, what an honor it was for all of us after all of that tragedy to see him marry a beautiful godly woman um it, you know it it was that that was that that's that that was the word it was the the undercurrent of hope that that it that whole that wedding gave us you know like your wife that her smile yeah right there was this this just undercurrent of hope um and it was infectious because i didn't have any hope you know i just yeah. <laughs> i just thought it exist she gave me hope yeah, and that's that it right and it is that is a that is a gift that is a gift of God. Hmm. That you know, that hope. And I bet you uh learned a lot now even though you married you married him. I and, and, performed the wedding, right. Yeah, performed the wedding. Excuse me. <laughs> I've got to be careful of my wording here. Wedding, right. <laughs> yeah. You, even though you performed the wedding, I bet you learned an awful lot from that experience. Oh. Yeah, well, what, right? I mean, the whole way along, um, just there's, it, it just, it was. She, you know, you, you, even the people, even the people who weren't, I, I spent the almost the better part of the wedding night after my wedding, after the ceremony, of people just walking up to me and saying thank you. Um, because, we, I, you know, I, I, I basically in, preached on the Romans eight twenty eight passage, and and it was so clear. And so many people that even weren't necessarily God fearing people, it, it was hard not to be in the presence of that couple and not see. You know, maybe maybe there's something to this. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, maybe maybe there's maybe there's something to this. You know, and that's you know, it, I, that's how I felt. 
the morning after my near suicide. You know, maybe there is a God, and i got to go figure this out. Well, i got a caller, Cheryl, on the line from Indianapolis, and Cheryl is one of our longtime listeners. Cheryl, do you have any insight into what we're discussing right now? Yes, I, I heard you talking about redemption and coming back from despair, and it just reminded me I was despairing um, after my mom died, and I was the, the sibling that was responsible for her care, even though she didn't live with me. I was the one that made sure all the arrangements were made, and I kept visiting her, and and I I was just always feeling like she had Alzheimer's, so she was scared to death that somebody at the, the nursing home was going to kill her <laughs> and toss her body over the building and all this, you know, and she, and every time I would leave, she would cry and say, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I would tell her, mom, Jesus loves you. And what you should do is watch and pray. <laughs> well, and then after she died, then every time I, I thought of her, I, I was, Oh, mom, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't do good enough. I didn't take care of you good enough. And so then a little later, a pastor who is now with Jesus had a sermon on uh, honoring our parents. Mm -hmm. And after the sermon, I I went to him and I said, well, your sermon reminded me of all the mistakes I made when I was taking care of mom. And he said to me, he forgives all your sins. That's all he said. And it reminded me of the communion service that he had had over at the nursing home with the, the folks. And he would always remind them, he forgives all your sins. And his his uh, mother-in-law had been at the service uh, one time, and she repeated it. She repeated it after him, and I remembered that, and I told him about it. and And he just said it back to me. He forgives all your sins, and that that did it. <laughs> well, yeah, you and I have very similar experiences there. <laughs> I, I was bearing an enormous load of guilt, and I'm sure you were too. Yeah. And then to realize that it's forgiven and understood. Yeah. Yeah. It's an enormous weight. Just, I mean, that's, that's about as simple a gospel as you're going to hear. Um, and yet, you know, Cheryl, what I heard is like the weight of the world came off your shoulders, right? Yes. Yes. It, you know, to hear that when you're when you're crushed, it is um, it is the greatest news possible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Cheryl. Thank you so much for sharing that with Thanks us. Thanks for your program. Well, bless thank you. you. Bless you for listening. Uh-huh. Ah, boy. Time flies. Powerful, Kip. <laughs> yeah, I got to tell you, you know, Cheryl's Cheryl's got a lot of insight. She calls frequently, and she she knows what's going on. I tell you, but it's it is so much so much to think about and so much to realize. Um, actually, we just got a, a listener email here. I want to read to you. It's from Lisa. And she says, thank you for sharing your testimonials of God's redemptive, transformative power. And thank you for the reminder of hope that God gives us in Jesus. And thanks be to God. Oh, how true. How true. Thank you. Thank you very much for that, Lisa. I do appreciate it. Believe me, I do. Ugh.
Well, this has been an emotional hour, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like sitting down here in front of the world and, ex <laughs> and exposing your failings and weaknesses. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, there's, yeah. Well, God is good. Yes. And, you know, it's, and that's the message, is that you are forgiven, that there is redemption. Just accept it. Yeah. Forgive yourself. God forgives you. Yeah. Let, let, let God, well... When we yeah, when we won't when we won't do that, and that's the thing, when you won't let yourself be forgiven, I mean that that, that should be a reminder to you that you're you're putting yourself in the place of God. Ah. You know? Um because if you know, this and this is Jesus, right, John eight? If the Son sets if the Son of God sets you free, yeah. then you are free indeed. And as you said, as you pointed out, it's selfishness at the basis here. God did it for you. I mean, God's above you. You're not that important. God saved you. And in fact, well, you're so important that he saved you. Ah. <laughs> if, if I may. If I may. Oh, okay. Thank you for correcting me. But I think you know what I meant on that. No, I do. Yeah. Right. You're not the center of the universe, right? You're not God. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. You're, you're <laughs> so important. <laughs> Well, Pastor, we are at the bottom. We're, I'm afraid at the end of the program, we got about a minute left. Any final thoughts? Well, I'm thankful for the conversation and um, for your listeners out there. You know, my encouragement to you is if you're struggling, call a, you know, call a neighboring pastor like Kip did, um, like your radio host here did, and, uh, and tell them what you're feeling and prepare yourself to hear the good news, because there is good news for you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being with the program, Pastor. It's my honor. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Let's Talk. The pastor is in, and today's guest pastor was Lance O'Donnell of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Akamanawak, Wisconsin. Now, every Friday, a pastor sits in with me for a friendly chat about what's on our mind. If you have a question or comment about the program, email it to us at letstalk at kfuo.org. I want to give special thanks to the pastor emeritus, the Reverend Fritz Bowie, for letting us use his recording of All Glory, Laud, and Honor as the theme song for Let's Talk, The Pastor Is in his books and his music are available on amazon.com i'm your host kip allen wishing you god's blessings listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor Is In on Worldwide KFUO.